Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association has teamed up with the Association de la Sommelier Internationale, ASI, to expand awareness and understanding of sake and its many facets throughout the world. ASI has members in over 60 countries and provides a forum for sommelier exchange, educational programs, and competitions. The partnership will enable the establishment of a network of active sommeliers interested in sake and will provide opportunities to communicate sake's potential pairings beyond the framework of Japanese food. ASI's General Assembly was held in Nagoya in July of this year. In September, the ASI Boot Camp will be held in Malaysia, and in November, the ASI Best Sommelier Competition for Asia and Oceania will be held in Taiwan. The World Competition will be held in February of 2023 in Paris. In the future, JSS will continue to coordinate efforts with ASI by providing sake tastings and seminars at events organized by ASI. The people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history of We are live with a delay, is the word on the street. Is the word on the street, apparently this is happening. I, I still don't believe it myself, it's been a, it's been a, a, a minute or two, um, but uh, apparently this is happening, and we are out into the world again. Yeah, to all Hello of those, everyone. yeah, Remember to all us? of those, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> right? right, did you miss us? Um, don't answer that, no, um, but no. Thank you, everyone, for, gosh, it has been a minute or two uh, since we've uh, done this, since we've put a show out into the world. Um, it's really nice to be back here at the Info Center, um, to be back with the crew here, and to be able to do this again. Um, you know, we'll talk about what we've been up to uh, in the interim, but gosh, before we get anything started, um, a kampai is in order, yeah, I think. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Before anything else, what you what you got here? Are you you searching for something there, Christopher? I am. Did you give me something? You are. Oh, you are. Oh gosh. Sebastian, you want to pass us a couple glasses from back over there? There we are. Something to get you started there. Excellent. Excellent. I'm Excellent. fueled up. You fueled up. Everybody's yeah. set. Everybody's set. Well, yeah. I guess. To everyone here, thank Lady. you for making it back. And to everyone out there, um, thank you for your patience. Out yeah. there, out there, we're still getting used to this camera thing. Camera one, camera, camera two. Camera one, camera two, there we are. Hey, to everybody out there, thank you so much for waiting. Come by. Come by. Hey, cheers, cheers, cheers. Hey, there we are, there we are, it's on. Oh, that's special. That's lovely, so yeah. No, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for uh, your patience in the interim while we took a I'm gonna call it a brief hiatus um, over the past few months. Um, yeah, I guess just to kind of get everybody up to speed. I mean, a lot of people are probably wondering where in the heck did you go and why? <laughs> why did you disappear off the face of the earth for um, what, about three months, three, four months or so? Um, you know, it's a handful of things. Nothing was wrong, there was no problem. Um, but every now and then it's nice to kind of hit the pause button and step away and uh, reflect and think a little bit, you know, um, in the three and a half years or so since we've been doing this, a lot has changed uh, in the sake industry and shochu industry, um, not the least because of how strange the last two and a half years has been. Right. 
you know, a lot of uh, changes have happened as a result of all of that strangeness. Um, it has expedited things, it has changed things, it has shaken things up. But even irrespective of that, just a lot of things that were sort of already in motion have sort of evolved and taken place. And just a lot of changes had happened. Um, and so in order to kind of wrap our minds around that, um, to stop and take back for a moment, uh, to stop and take a step back for a moment and kind of reflect and think about that and um, sort of the relationship between that and the show and sort of how we could contribute there. I thought a little time was in order. I can't speak for everyone, but I have a feeling everyone's lives here have changed a lot in the last three and a half years or so um, to keep anything going uh, nonstop for three or four years straight is, is a task. Uh, in and of itself. Um, we're lucky in that this is a good one. <laughs> this is a pretty good test to, mm. uh, to have, but you know, demands on the lives of, of everyone here and the things everybody's involved in personally and professionally and all the changes that come along with that. You know, um, Sake podcasting has changed a lot in the last three years or so. Has. <laughs> when, when we started doing this, um, as far as I am aware, we were, I think, the only one's doing a podcast uh, dedicated dedicated to sake and shochu, for sure the only ones, quite mm -hmm. possibly the only ones doing something sake uh, specific um, in the interim, but now there's a, whole, there's a handful of yep. fantastic podcasts out there, um, folks at Sake Revolution, Sake Deep Dive, Sake Unplugged, <coughs> the <laughs> uh, Sugidama <laughs> podcast, Right. Um, Japan Distilled, you guys are tackling shochu and all that stuff. Um, if I'm forgetting anyone, it's not because I don't love you, it's because I can hardly remember my own name. Kampai um, Planet. <laughs> Kampai Planet, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I said, yeah, with uh, you start getting into the video component of things, a lot yeah. of people have been putting a lot of really amazing things out into the world. And so, which is fantastic. That is a good thing for everyone. Everyone wins. Um, and so in that context, then we also thought it made sense to kind of take a step back and go, what be us, these individuals here in this place doing this thing, what makes sense for us to be doing uh, as well too. And so instead of just running full steam ahead um, to actually stop and uh, take a minute or two to ponder that and think about that um, because there are a lot of people putting really great, meaningful work out into the world and lots of education, lots of information, lots of entertainment out there. Um, and so to kind of uh, stop and think about that for a little minute and kind of restructure. Um, so that's uh, something that you will probably see reflected in the coming months. Um, and then just to endlessly produce content nonstop, um, I don't know, it's to, to stop and pause every now and then is good. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, just having to just constantly be putting uh, stuff out into the world. Um, I just think it's healthy to stop every now and then. And so we did, but we haven't been doing nothing in that time in between. Nope. I don't think, I hope, <laughs> I can't speak for everyone, <laughs> but yeah, no, I say, you know, in, in that time we've been, you know, getting together and kind of talking about the things we ought to be doing, things we want to be doing. Um, and engaging in the worlds of sake and shochu uh, over those few months and allowing that to sort of feed into the things that we want to be doing, want to be uh, getting into in the, in the coming months. But uh, yeah, what's everybody been up to the past few months? What's been, what's been going on? What's the, what's the good word? 
How about you? How about you, brother? Um, well, the, the the first thing which I've been kind of mainly really involved with this three months is getting to grips with a new version of the Sakit course which I teach, um, WSCT. Uh, from this semester, um, which is what how we refer to it, um, we're actually teaching an upgraded version of WSCT. Uh, new information has been added into the textbook, and there is now a quality assessment. Uh, part of the tasting as well, um, which has taken a bit of a challenge to kind of wrap, you know, wrap our heads around as educators. I have to say, I mean, it's it, as always, uh, and as anything uh, to do with um, the creators behind this project are concerned, it's always very well executed. Um, but there is a lot of new information to, to to kind of you know get our heads around. I think the students are enjoying this new this new version. I'm enjoying teaching this new version. Um, it's really motivated me to go out and do more study. Yeah. Um, because it's it's got a lot more uh, detailed certain parts of the course, you know, um, the, uh, about the starter, for example. Mm. We, we kind of touched upon the starter, but we didn't really go into a lot of detail about how each starter is made. Mm. And now it's all there in glorious yeah. detail, step okay. by step. And there's a lot of stuff about microbes and stuff, which I yeah. actually, for me, that was kind of a learning experience. Yeah. I learned a new enzyme, which I yeah. didn't know existed. Yeah. It's kind of cool. cool. Um, so that's been a lot of fun to do, and I also started, this was kind of just before the hiatus and kind of crossing into it, but I started working for um, a sake brewery in Yamagata Prefecture. Um, we actually had them on the show. Uh, yeah, Kojima yeah, yeah. Honten, yeah. who make uh, the brand Toko. Um, the, the timing was right, you know, and uh, it's really interesting. Um, I'm, it's really cool. They're very innovative. They're trying to do a lot of different things particularly with, with, a, with a particular focus on sustainability, which is something that I've just found myself getting into that world. It's, yeah. it's very interesting, but mm -hmm. it is very complex, and there is a lot of reading you have to do. And, um, yeah. But I'm looking forward to that challenge. Yeah, that's um, cool. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a big theme for the world of sake and shochu as well, too. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's on everybody's mind, and it's going to be... That would be else. the trend I would put forward, I think that I've noticed over the three months. So yeah, it'd be exciting to see how that changes the shape of the sake industry going forward. Yeah, excellent. And who are you? I realize that we totally didn't introduce anybody. Okay, here. right, yes. Well, we'll so, do this as um, we go down the line. We can, well, we can start from the height. So, um, <laughs> the big is in the name, okay? So there are two Chris's on this team. Uh, I'm one of them, I'm the big version. Um, I don't know if that's kind of obvious on, on the video right now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're tall, but you know, I mean, I, I get told I'm pretty tall. Um, walking around Japan. Uh, so yeah, I'm Big Chris, and I've been working in the industry for about, I've lost track of time, probably about 14, 15 years. Originally I worked in London, uh, selling sake and marketing sake in London to restaurants in London. And then I came to Japan to learn more about the beverage. Things kind of developed in a way that I never expected, but I'm very, very fortunate, and very uh, privileged to have that happen. And yeah, um, that, that's kind of, I'd love to tell you more of my stories we go through future episodes, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. We, I think we got an old one on the, back, in the, back in the backlog. There you go. It's, it's got that on there. You got so me talking can... about all kinds of things, anything to do with Saki, really, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Great Excellent. to see you all again. Yeah. We're looking forward to this uh, new season of Saki on Air. And thank you, as always, for, for listening to us. Yeah. Because without you, of course, Saki on Air wouldn't exist. Shall I pass the baton you know, yeah. on to my, uh, my colleague here? Yeah, to the great... The other Chris, yeah, Chris, on it. little Chris here, uh, Christopher Pellegrini at your service, uh, ready and raring for season three of Sake on Air. Yeah. Thank you for organizing this, and thank you for being here, everybody out there all around the world. Um, the last couple of years have been a character-building experience, um, to say the le least. Uh, 
I don't know what to say. I think people have, I might have dropped hints about starting a second um, alcohol-related trade company in March of 2020, which was amazing timing to quit a full-time job, <laughs> stable job at a university with healthcare and all yeah. of those things. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's been exciting. Healthcare. Healthcare, yeah, who needs it's healthcare, right? Overrated. So it's been exciting, I've learned a lot. Every, every day I learn about three or four new things that I am very, very yeah. bad at yeah. and <laughs> I learn constantly. Fortunately, I'm surrounded by very talented people who are passionate and inspiring and that helps me get out of bed every day. And the story is that we're basically trying to get Shochu and Awamori to audiences further and further afield. And we're slowly having some success at that. But, you know, the, the shipping issues are still a thing. If you know anything about the logistical nightmare that the world is still suffering from, I get to deal with that every morning. It is not my favorite thing in the world. Um, I think I have aged about 14 or 15 light years <laughs> since 2020, and I've gained at least a few kilos. I'm a little squidgy around the edges now. And, uh, but hey, I'm all, I'm better for it. Pack a harder punch now, and uh, glad to be here. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, 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 awesome. We'll have to, we'll have to do a, a deep dive into, into that one. Once you, when, once you reach a point where you feel like you can like come up for air, and you're like, I've got, I've got a handle on this, like it's good. We'll have to, we'll have, to have a, a reflection episode when it when well, I, I need everybody out there to keep an eye on me because I have to go home and my team on the East Coast of the United States starts work in a couple of hours so I have to restart my work day so if you see me putting back too many glasses of this you write in and Cindy will slap my face cheer him cheer right. him on no 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 cheering you cheer say slow it down cheer slow it down on. buddy yeah you still got work to do well good to see you again everyone or I mean I will see you later on um, what can I say? Um, last few years have been yeah, quite, quite, quite a challenge indeed. I mean, there are four pillars to my activity, and uh, sake is very much uh, at the center of them. Uh, one is consulting, the other one is tourism, the third one is education, and the, the fourth one is, I just forgot. <laughs> it's a, it's a funny what ball. am I doing with my life? <laughs> Basketball. No, I mean, no. probably kind of, uh, no, no. The first one is events. Yeah. And of course, two of them have been shaken hard by the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Events, and actually forgot about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the second one is tourism, which yeah. has uh, changed quite a bit. Yeah. So what happened over the last few years is I've beefed up the uh, consulting part. Yeah. But it's not only about sake, so yeah. less interesting for this show. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had to rethink about, I mean, to rethink my offer ab about tourism. Yeah. And uh, whereas, unfortunately, we still don't get many visitors from uh, overseas, yeah. uh, there is a population here that I absolutely enjoy bringing uh, or taking to uh, various destinations in Japan. And I have developed a number of um, destinations where we go to visit sake mm. breweries, but not mm. only. Um, maybe adding a bit of a sp spiritual dimension yeah. to these travels. Yeah. I guess it's sort of what the time uh, calls for. Take a, take a step back, yeah. become more spiritual, 
but mm. not necessarily religious and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been um, that's been my um, my life. So you can still see me uh, traveling all over, all over the country, and that's that's the breaks. That's the part I enjoy most. Yeah. Uh, when I do do when I don't do my consulting job. Yeah. It's, it seems like you've been on the road quite a bit though. Yeah. At, I mean, at quite, least recently, bit, like yes. these last few months, while well, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, well, we've been kind of in our downtime, it seems like you've been. Yeah, it's a on real it's a real respiration for me, yeah. and it's a real source of inspiration. Yeah. Um, now about education, um, the Temple University course uh, was actually pretty regular throughout yeah. the uh, COVID period, um, but unfortunately, uh, Le Cordon Bleu. Uh, kind of interrupted their activity in Japan uh, very okay. early on, but uh, there are plans, so maybe yeah. more for later. Cool, <laughs> so maybe you have something to share later. Excellent. Yeah, I, I guess for folks who don't know, you teach a sake course at Temple yes, University. Yes, so here, Temple here University Japan, right? and um, Le Cordon Bleu, yeah. uh, Japan. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Oh, that's sake, good to hear that. Sake the, the culture, sake pairings. Yeah, so so amazing. Amazing. No, that's good to hear that the Cordon Bleu stuff is something that happened there. I'm excited. I'm excited. That's a, that's, well, a, that's a great resource. For yeah, I, I mean, I, I truly, sincerely think that that institution has a something unique to offer, which yeah. is the relation with food Absolutely. and cuisine. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously, mostly French food and gastronomy, mm -hmm. but they have actually started a washoku course as well. Yeah. Um, so that dimension brings something to the sake. Um, Education equation, yeah. which is something, for example, that but yeah, I'm, you I'm you you, I'm you don't have. But you have yeah. you bring a lot of other things. But yeah. um, there is an angle that I like to exploit is the is the food dimension or the gastronomy. Yeah. No, that's cool. I know the both of you guys do pre like, at least rather consistent formal education. Yes. Right. And you said I mean you know, WSET updated their program. Yes. Is and I, you probably can't share what's what's going on with Cordon Bleu at the moment, but has some of those changes they've been in sort of a response to the last couple of years? Has has the the nature in which you engaged with education changed at all? Yeah, I mean, one dimension is more online. Yeah, uh, yeah. more online content. Yeah, um, because it allows you to be more flexible. Yeah. Um, so that's. I mean, technically, definitely a strong impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say, to my surprise, and also, I'm, I'm very thankful as well. Um, the school where I teach, they put in, you know, they put in the right measures, which were necessary at the time, and are still necessary uh, here in Tokyo. But we've only done a few classes online, and they were really like sort of mm. emergency classes because we had no mm. other option. Yeah. Um, but with regards to the WST course itself, I wouldn't say that any of the recent changes are really. Um, a response to the yeah, yeah, pandemic yeah. necessarily. I think it's more something that was in the pipeline for a long time. Yeah. Um, and if anything, it would have happened a lot sooner mm -hmm. uh, if not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, absolutely. That makes so, sense. I mean, but what has changed is what, what we tell our students as well. I mean, because because the crisis uh, for sake has deepened during, uh, during COVID. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I really feel all the more the uh, urgency and the need yeah. to uh, tell the stories and, and tell the culture yeah. Yeah. and tell about all these amazing new products, new ideas uh, that are uh, taking shape in Japan and overseas 
about sake brewing. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that sense, it has impacted the content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, the, the, all the changes that have come forth, are, like the latest information, Yes, or the absolutely. latest things, right? I, update, update. I was just doing a class about. Fast, yeah. I was just doing a class about the state of the global uh, sake industry uh, mm -hmm. yesterday, and you know you can't help but throw in a bit of information about how the sales have declined over the last mm -hmm. three years. You know, mm -hmm. there's been quite a big dip. Probably all the changes that it's brought about, it's going to take some time before the effects of those actually mm -hmm. resonate in yes. right and, and the market start to show up. So, wild, Cindy, what have you been up to? <laughs> Aside from typing on this on this PC over here, for those who don't get it, you don't, who don't get to see Cindy all that often, Cindy is who you're communicating with 98.9% of the time. Mm. If you if you message us or or any of that or any of that good stuff, but yeah, what do you what have you been up to over these these last couple months? It says because we have not been doing this, mm. but you have been doing everything. Yeah, doing everything, right? <laughs> right. No, nothing has stopped. Nothing, nothing has stopped, has stopped. In, in your little world. So in 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 relation to that, what, what, what have you been up to? In relation to that or anything? Yeah, I mean, I guess for one, I mean, you guys have been doing many things and I've been trying to kind of stalk mm -hmm. you <laughs> in, the, in the best way and communicate that outwards as, yeah. as much as I could. But it's, it's sometimes a bit difficult, right? Because yeah. you guys do so many things. It's really like, wow, what's going on? And you cannot always share yeah. what you're doing as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of doing my best, but... Other than that, I am still traveling quite a bit, um, not as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, kind of found a temporary home in <laughs> in Tochigi. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to help local tourism to yeah. come to more local places and yeah. also promote sake in Tochigi and Gunma and Iwate Prefecture. So Amazing. I have been doing many things about sake as well, but I just never had the time to really process it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So I think I hope in the next six months, a lot of the things I've done over the last two years yeah. are kind of surface and will be able to be shared yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, with, yeah. With, with everyone. Because I do have kind of two years full of content yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, nobody yeah. knows of. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to be somewhere and also closer here and kind of meet yeah. up with you guys yeah. a little bit more often. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And you've been able so. to go to a lot of sake events and things like that. The sake events that were not happening for the last two years or whatever, over the last six yeah. months, there's started to be a lot more. You've been able to... Yeah, they're all coming back, and it's a bit. I feel like I'm missing out when I'm not going. So yeah. I'm. I think I'm. I'm a little bit overdoing it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just too much fun. It's so nice to see the breweries, and everybody in the industry coming out, yeah. and also, they're so excited to see us. You yeah. know, they're so excited to serve their sake. So it's been really a privilege over the last two months to go yeah. to Kyoto Sake Spring or to yeah. the JSS Sake Fair here and just discover lots of sake that we didn't have the chance to do for the last two yeah. years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. I mean, you, you guys also mentioned it. I mean, it is coming back. Yeah. I also want to mention if you do want to send us some questions, please do. Yeah. We are not showing up as sake on air, and I'm not going to say why. <laughs> yeah. But we're showing up as let's travel and eat. So it, <laughs> if, oh. let's travel and eat answers. <laughs> We're in the cover. Um, We're in the cover. <laughs> yeah. If let's travel and eat in, answers, incognito. that's us. That's, that's us. <laughs> so you can tr trustworthy source of information on the YouTube yes, channel. I can, I can, mm. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> let's travel and eat for sure. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So Justin, nice. what about yeah. you? Me, oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't even know. It's been, um... Yeah, it's been kind of a trip, but it's been, you know, I honestly, I hadn't traveled a lot for sake up until about the last few months, to be honest. Like, 
I had done so much traveling, even in the midst of all kind of the madness, I was doing a lot of, quite a bit of traveling a while back anyway. But from like the beginning of the year up until probably about April, May or so, I actually wasn't doing a whole lot of mm. sake related travel. Like I had just kind of, I, I, I burnt out a little bit. Like I was just going a lot and I just kind of burnt out a little bit. And so um, I was just kind of staying put and reflecting a little bit more. However, everything kind of just kicked into high gear and I don't know why. Like it just, like, I just decided to open the gates and the, it just, the floodgates opened. And so from about April or May, I've just been kind of on the road almost nonstop and just been doing a lot of, I guess this kind of ties in a little bit to what we want to do with the show going forward and things like that as well too. But I've been trying to, one thing that I've always wanted to do more of with the show um, that we've been able to do a bit um, and that I'm super obviously proud of and happy about is to really go out and pick up just interesting, really interesting, thoughtful local voices that are in the world of sake or the periphery of sake that maybe wouldn't have the means to share their stories or there's not actually somebody going out looking for it because they don't actually know that it's happening. You know, it's not necessarily a dominant topic or theme or they're doing something really thoughtful in the region that they're working in or something like that. And I feel like, like I said, there's all these other fantastic podcasts out there that are able to access a lot of other information or already providing fantastic education. And so one of the things that I've really sort of that I'm kind of committing to in the, in the, in the coming months and in the year ahead is actually going out and just sort of picking out some of the conversations that I don't think would necessarily bubble to the surface had we not gone out there and, and gone, gotten those. And so I've been kind of going around visiting different breweries that are in sort of interesting positions where they're trying to make different new interesting things happen or they have always been doing something really interesting and lovely and special, but for one reason or another, it just hasn't really bubbled to the surface or it hasn't gotten the attention that I felt it deserved. Um, I guess like one example is what we're sipping on right here. I brought, I brought shochu to the party. I went out to visit um, Morinokura down in uh, Fukuoka a couple of months ago, actually with you, it was right when you got gentlemen around too. Yeah, that was, um, if you look, yeah, it's, there's some reels and stuff on our on the uh, on our Instagram page. It goes out, um, but this is their sake kasu shochu. Um, they only fire up this still two or three days a year, um, and I had been I've been a fan of this brewery as a sake brewery for a long time. Personally, they make some of my absolute favorite shochu. This aside, like they've got some just some killer mugi shochu. They've got this stuff is killer, but. Wild. This stuff is amazing. amazing. This stuff is amazing, and I love that they've committed to this. It's a sake kasu shochu, and you can, I don't know, you, this camera's probably too far away to see exactly what this still looks like, um, but if you get on our um, Instagram, there's some reels and some videos and stuff up there um, showing that in the process. They only fire it up, it's about, a, it's only rolling for about a half day, two or three times a year, and I happen to go down, and I happen to, and I just happen to go with Stephen Lyman, your partner in crime. Yep. And it happened to be the day that we were doing that, uh, that they were doing that. And so um, I th this, is, this is from 2004. I think the, the most recent release even out on the market is probably 2008, 2009, I yeah. think. I think it does yeah. maybe a 2010 or so. That's but, a unicorn. You know? Um, and it's, 
it's a type of shochu that just people don't spend a lot of time on. And the dedication that they put into it is absolutely beautiful. And so I thought instead of us just, you know, instead of me just showing you this bottle, it would make more sense for me to go out and sit down there, take some photos, take some videos, um, and interview them because they've actually been making shochu, in particular this type of shochu, before they were ever even making sake. Um, they were a shochu distillery first, you know? Um, and so to sit down and just start have some of those conversations. So I won't talk a lot about this now because there will be kind of an in-depth, you know, um, with that, you know, coming up in the, in the coming months. Um, but starting to try and just sort of gather some of those interesting conversations with people who are just doing just, I don't know, what I find to be noteworthy mm. and um, honorable work in the, in the world of brewing and distilling. I mean, as, 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 you, as we speak to local people, we, the conversation relatively rapidly uh, shifts to other topics than sake. As yeah. Well. Um, yeah. And that's an element of uh, differentiation as well compared to, what, to the content that we were putting before yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. And as we speak about it, I'm going to drink a little bit from it. Please do, <laughs> please do. You need, you need a different glass? Yeah. Get glass I washed or? it already. Oh, oh, the aroma <laughs> right? It's great on the palate as well. It's a, it's, a, it's a rather unique um, flavor profile. Thank you. Put it on my finger on what I'm getting there. Takes a bit of time to process. I'm still working on it. You're getting joy. Getting joy. There you go. Getting joy. Yeah, you're getting nice it's the one one word that isn't in the lexicon. Tasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> right. The the, 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 the the sixth sense. Is Just like, give up. You know, apple pen. Yeah. Okay. Joy. Sweet, <laughs> yeah. It's sweet, sweetness, saltiness, umami. Yeah. Whatever. It's got everything. It's joy. really well rounded. Yeah. yeah Mori no Kura, they're the, they're the brewery that make the Komagura yeah. brand. I actually came into contact with them very early on in my career, and I have fond memories of their, where they have this set of two sake. One is, basically, it's the same sake, so to speak. Um, one you can enjoy kind of like room temperature, and one you can enjoy warm. And that's the first time I really came, really came into contact with the experience of enjoying sake at different temperatures. Um, I was amazed. They just put like the, the sake in different glasses, and it was like, um, the difference between uh, vessel types uh, and different uh, temperatures. Um, really incredible brewery. I'm really happy that you got to visit them. And uh, yeah, that'll be on my radar as well. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I said, and then I guess I said, I brought a couple of bottles of sake. We'll pass these around. Yeah. But I even noticed, so what we did, you know, we, one of the things we did, we said, hey, if you got, you know, a sake or shochu or two that's sitting around that's uh, sort of indicative of how you've spent your time over the last couple of months, bring something along. And we didn't speak or coordinate in any sense of the word, and there's like there's like a theme going it's on. It's a cloudy and, day. And I I brought a dobroku, and I'm not even really you know I'm not a, I'm not really a, a huge fan of dobroku. I'm, I'm probably gonna it's gonna grow on me I think. Thank, thank perhaps thanks to uh, Justin's uh, tutelage, um, but. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I just got sent this. Can I tell you a little bit about yeah, this? Yeah, sure. So shoot. I, I got I'm very lucky to do a bit of work um, translating um, for a brewer who actually was uh, one of my students uh, of WSET. Um, it's uh, it's it's um, Senjo Shuzo in Nagano Prefecture. Mm. Um, Kuro uh, Goguchi San is the um, CEO, and he came and took my course. Um, then he got in contact me, with me uh, recently, and he said we're doing this new brand. And we'd like you to help us um, put this into English to uh, show to the world. Um, and I, I really love this idea. It's basically um, the labels uh, incorporate um, haiku uh, into them. Cool. So they asked a local potter mm. um, by the name of Waka Horigome. Uh, and, and, and she uh, 
they basically said to her, you know, look, you can do whatever you want for the design. Um, so she thought, well, if I've got that much freedom, what I've always wanted to, to do is actually incorporate images and haiku yeah. into the design. She, she does pottery, yeah. right? But she does these pot really interesting pottery mm. of basically creatures from the region. Okay. Right? So she does like cool. the famous creatures from Nagano Prefecture, from the Shinshu uh, area, for example. I'd never heard of this, but there's this bird called a rock. Now, I don't know how you pronounce this, so I apologize. A patamigan, I think. A rock patamigan. It's called the Thunderbird. How do you pronounce it? Ptarmigan. You don't pronounce the yeah. P. So <laughs> I'm supposed to be able to, you know. So a rock ptarmigan is basically, it's a grouse. Um, but that really wouldn't do it justice. It's a very unique bird to Nagano Prefecture. And they call it the Thunderbird. That's how cool it is. Amazing. That, right? And so they already had this Doboroku product before, which had the uh, rock ptarmigan um, on the label. Um, so what they decided to do was they, they came up, the, the potter came up with this idea just kind of imagining what the creatures, these creatures in, in Nagano Prefecture, what they would be doing on, on a starry night, on a night, you know. Um, and so the, the brand is called On a Night Like This in Japanese. It's Konna Yoru Ni. So it's basically On a Night Like This. And each one of these uh, labels uh, has kind of like a picture mm -hmm. on it, um, which tells the story of a particular creature and what they're doing on that particular night, on this particular night in Nagano Prefecture, under the stars. And each one is a haiku. Um, so to go through all the different stories would take too much time. But just to give you one example I really, really like. Um, the, the potter um, had a friend who told her this story um, that basically he was staying in this, this lodge somewhere in the mount near the mountains, near a forest. And they were playing the guitar and just, you know, basically drinking sake and having a good time. And they heard this deer's call come from the forest. And the, the, the guitar player... Uh, her friend, her friend's friend, said, oh, you know what, that, that, that deer call, it sounds like the cooing of guitar strings. And so she incorporated for the deer label, did I bring the deer label with me? No, I didn't bring the deer label with me, but there is a deer label. And for the deer label, basically the story is um, of this, this friend's story of hearing this deer call and relating it to the cooing of guitar strings. So the haiku goes something like, and I had to translate this in English, and translating haiku, is kind of, you feel like it's something you probably shouldn't do, but I was given a lot of freedom and said, you know, just, just translate it however you think it should be translated. So, mm -hmm. you know, I thought, okay, how often do you get to translate a haiku? Yeah. So I had a proper go and I did the whole seven, five, seven, mm. you know, uh, try and keep to the rules. Um, and so I came up with something like, you know, a deer's cry in the forest, uh, my guitar string coos. Something like that, keeping within the rules of, of uh, haiku. It's not a lot of fun to do. Um, there are like, I think, five, six in the series. Um, it's quite a long, a big series. And then we have this doboroku as well. So there's a deer, there's, um, there's a trout um, that kind of jump in the streams uh, in Nagano. Um, there's the woodpecker, which is part of the deer series. Then you have the rock ptarmigan. Uh, and then you have the moon. Actually, the moon is the odd one out. So this one is basically, the one I've brought is basically just a full moon. So that's kind of the odd one out in the series. Okay. So there you go. The Thunderbird is good. It, it is. Okay, well, I'm going to try some myself. <laughs> and see, maybe this uh, converts me on the Dobberdoker front. The Thunderbird is very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a good one. No. Uh, no, but it's... I just thought, yeah, it was, it was funny that... All of us brought something with with some real viscosity I, I, I to it. I, I, 
I think I, I was on the Nigori episode, or at least yeah, I yeah, listened yeah, yeah. to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and I realized that I was not drinking that much Nigori after all. I mean, Usu Nigori, yes, but Nigori or, um, or Doburoku, not that much. And yeah. in the last few months, probably I started to drink more, yeah. um, including a, a great visit to a lagoon yeah. brewery uh, in Niigata. Yeah. And so, yeah, today I, I brought a, I mean, it's not, it's not the Buruku, but it's, 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 it's definitely a Nigori. Yeah. yeah. I said, and it's, it's 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 funny that like even the word dobudoku has like come into the lexicon. Like whereas, you know, if you took a sake course five years ago, they'd mention it briefly in the history, and then you'd never hear from it again. Whereas now, as it's like common in the lexicon, all of a sudden it's become like a, a vessel for bringing new types of sake to people and creating new types of business around sake and it's, it's just been I mean, Justin, you've been involved in um, in Doboroku promotion, so tell us a little bit about Yeah, that. well it's, yeah, it's Because we've got a question just now, someone is yeah. actually asking to, if we can explain what Doboroku is. So yeah. this actually ties that's in a, very that's well. That's a good question. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in. If, if, <laughs> unless you want to, unless you have, no, actually. Get on it, get on it. Okay. Get on it. I mean, very simply, it's sake which hasn't gone through the pressing or the filtration. Um, under uh, to the Tilika tax law in Japan, sake must go through filtration or pressing, which means that the, the liquid must be separated from the solids in order for you to call that a seishu or a nihonshu, if you're gonna use the GI, mm. or, or a sake, right? Mm. Well, actually, technically, doboroku could be a yeah. sake as well, couldn't it? So, doboroku is basically um, sake which hasn't been filtered or pressed. Yeah. Not to be confused with nigori, yeah. which has been filtered or pressed. It's just that they use a coarse filter so that some of the solids go through with the liquid. A badminton racket, if you will. Yeah, but yeah, I want to yeah, hear, yeah. hear your, generally, I want to hear your, how, you would, how you would introduce Doberdoku. Yeah, oh, I was, I said, we'll, we'll have to do another episode on it and actually really focus on it because it's, what Doberdoku is written on a whole lot of labels, but the type of Doberdoku that's being made be is different. entirely different Absolutely. from the definition of it and what people were making before. Yeah. I mean, Literally, what it is, it was home. It was essentially homebrew, yeah. but it made using what was readily available. So, yeah. quote unquote, traditional, for lack of a better word, Doburu could have had millet in it. It could have had other seeds in it. It could have had all kinds of stuff in it. And that's not the Doburuku that had been made for the last 20, 30, 40 years or whatever that was made under, under certain laws and in certain categories. And then what's being made now that's being sold as Doburuku is going through processes and incorporating skill sets from the brewing industry, from modern sake brewing that is in no way indicative of the Doburuku that was being made before, but it's amazing now. So it's from a tax perspective. Yeah, I dive straight into the legal right? definition because I thought you would go into the history. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd be better at doing yeah. that. Yeah, so. so it's there's there's how you look at it as far as like a tax court category and how yeah. the industry looks at it. But then when you actually step back and say, what actually is Doburoku? It's yeah. actually, there is no real official definition with I, regards I, I to believe, like what that is. I believe women would make Doburoku and sell it on the streets. That's, a, that's something I heard. I'm sure that was a thing. Yeah. There were, I mean, farmers that would just make, I mean, it's, it's been a part yeah. of people's lives for like uh, forever and ever and ever in, in different capacities. And right. so yeah. we'll, we can do another thing on it, but it's just interesting that it was. It is a word that was completely outside of the, the lexicon, more or less. Like you just wouldn't find a product with those words written on it 
yeah. at a retail <laughs> store, whereas now it's... But do people it's, it's, still understand what it is? That, that's the thing, isn't it, right? And like having that on the word Dobrodok on the label, I mean, do most people in Japan understand what it is they're actually buying? They have a perception of what it is based on probably a very, very, very limited exposure to basically how it existed in the, in the market for the last several decades, which was actually a really, really narrow version of what that actually, of what it actually used to be and then what it actually is evolving into right now. So we'll have to do like more of a deep dive, but it's, um, it's just really, really interesting. And it's, it's interesting that something like that has become so, it's become empowering now. Um, it's really been, become sort of a vessel for allowing people to be, get a lot of different sort of freedom in the, in the world of brewing. Yeah. So, you know. I, I think it's, I mean, I don't know if you think it's, um, it's the right thing to say, but um, there are a number of people who want to, to do new products, try new things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awfully difficult to get a Nihon brewing license. That's correct. And whereas it's actually quite easy um, to get a license and, and produce and sell Doboroku. So uh, Doboroku is, is a way to express uh, creativity um, under a different, and in the sake world. Yeah, because there's, there's a great example here in Tokyo of a brewery that when I first met them in 2014, they were, you know, they would, they would come to the, the sake shop where I was working and they would sell their Doboroku. They couldn't make sake yet. They didn't have a license to make sake. Um, but yeah, for a good four years, that's mm. all they could do, just make Doboroku. But they did a fantastic job. I mean, um, the, uh, the Tokyo Port Brewery uh, yeah. in Tokyo, I, I think make arguably the best, some of the best Doboroku and some of the most interesting and innovative uh, mm. Doboroku this, in this part of Japan. Mm. And um, yeah, and the thing about Doboroku is it, is it is quite easy to get hold of the license nowadays. Um, but generally, it is considered still to be, you know, you, you definitely need that license, right? You can't, it's called home brewing. We'll, we'll get into it on another episode. Okay, all right. We'll get into it on another okay. episode. But it's just, it's, it's just, but I think it's, it's, it's worth noting because it's, it's just something like in Japan, just in general, not even Dobudoku, but even Nigori or just these cloudless type of sakes were for fewer and further between, whereas a lot of seasonal brews and things like that have more of a cloudy component to it. But now that you're starting to get more Dobudoku, you're starting to get more types of Nigori, the, the lines between those things are starting to from a consumer standpoint, are starting to blur. I'd say they get more cloudy, but that would be just a terrible <laughs> Um But it's the communication around not just nigori or doburoku, but I think just sake in general, is actually going to get more confusing than it's going to get yeah. more... Less filtered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unclear. Because <laughs> right. no. yeah. people are also wondering, because. It used to be illegal in Japan, right? Yeah. So it this still, is it still so, is. Yeah, so maybe you want to elaborate a little bit how this is happening and how the licenses are being. Gonna so and and, and mm. Justin can come in and, and can elaborate on this, but like my understanding is that kind of you need to have a certain prefectures in Japan, a certain areas of certain prefectures in Japan are given special licenses based on their heritage or um, their, their culture, and then also you have museums and sort of like guest houses and things which can also get special licenses. I think the trend of actually giving out Doboroku licenses like this easily to like small breweries that want to start up mm -hmm. is a new thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm quite actually interested to. Yeah. To, uh, it's always kind of always puzzled me a little bit why. Yeah, there it was. It was basically they 
yeah, dif different regions um, were basically given licenses to where if it was something tied to some sort of tourism or something like that, you could create uh, in in tax office terms doboroku and sell that on site and make that available. And that would be sort of a, a, a destination sort of a thing that you could go and experience and do that. And so there was, like you said, it was farm stays and it was you know small cafes or little places out in the countryside. Um, and there's, I have to look again, but there's like a hundred some regions I think that have that, that designation. What you're seeing a lot of now is they're actually brewing under a completely different license. It's not a Doboroku license, it's a wholly different license. And then they're making something under the guise of Doboroku because there is no term for it. And it's, and it's a lot of it is very different from what was being made in those other places. And then the other sort of twist in that is that the other law that made it for easier for Nihonshu or sake to that made it easier to get a license to produce sake specifically for export, um, which is the same as what. Lagoon is, is doing here, which is exactly what they're doing, is um, they are, you know, they are making sake. They are a certified member of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association, um, and they make sake, but it's specifically for export. If you're going to be making sake, you know, but you're not able to sell it domestically, gosh, it, it's, it's too bad to sit and just be making stuff and send it off overseas and not be able to share with anybody. What else can you make? This is then under a different... Um, license and they make stuff like this. Oh, so they also so they also have a sake line for selling for exporting and oh, oh, with all the Japanese and the label, it's obvious that this is for the domestic. Market. This is for the domestic yeah. market. Yeah, and exactly. Part of the mash is filtered. That becomes sake. Yeah. And the part that is not filtered. Very cool. Yeah. Because like it's a very like good way to reduce waste as well. There isn't really such a thing as waste in the sake industry, but perhaps all that leftover kasu. Mm -hmm can be avoided, all the leftover leaves can yeah, be avoided. Yeah, I said, there's, there, there's some different challenges around that. I said, but we'll talk about it, because it's obviously, I said, clearly it's a, yeah. it's, it's a thing. Like, it's, 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 it's something worth exploring, so. Mm. But just, just finally, I mean, yeah, I think most people are wondering, like, is it, because the question was, is it legal to, to kind of make it? I mean, it, you can't It's still legally, illegal to homebrew. You can't, uh, yeah, it's not <laughs> legal to homebrew. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think a guy tried it, like, you know, um, like in the 90s, and it, they basically sent him to, to prison. So yeah, it's still pretty, you know, yeah. the, the penalties for doing that are pretty severe. It's yeah. still, it's still, it's still, that Such is the way shame. that it is. No, it is, <laughs> it is what it is, it is what it is. It's probably right. something you guys need to make an episode about. It probably is, which is, which is, yeah. which is, which is what it means, the long and short of it. But it does, and yeah. thanks for asking the question because yeah. that's how we discover new seeds for new content. Yeah, right. That's how we're going to do it from now on, right? right? There we are. <laughs> there we are. I say, yeah, we got, we got a few different... One thing we are going to start doing, we're going to kind of experiment with a few different kinds of sh show formats, different lengths and sort of different themes and different formats. Um, we're going to be doing kind of a short travel series coming up. We had a lot of people reach out to us during the break who were like, I haven't been able to come to Japan for two years, three years, four years. Um, I'm so excited to go back. I'm so excited to get into sake. Where can I go? What can I do? Um, so we thought, gosh, maybe we can contribute there. Um, we had a lot of people reach out to us and say that would be really, really helpful. So, you know, as we get back into sort of getting the main show going and start doing some other different formats, we're going to kind of get a travel series is kind of going to, is what's going to come first as we kind of shift in there. So we're going to have focus on sort of different regions and different areas and give you some suggestions for what might be a good way to spend your time and energy. But I mean, that's just sort of one, one example of the types of things we want that we're going to try and share. But um, we got, gosh, we're down to about the last 10, 15 <laughs> minutes or so. Um, 
We should do some listener questions. Yeah. Um. We have an exciting announcement from our sponsor, the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. As of June 30th, Japanese shochu can be sold without a hard liquor license in New York State as long as it is 24 ABV or below. After over three years working with the state legislature and the IRS, and in cooperation with the Japanese Food and Restaurant Association, among others, JSS is excited to announce this change in the law. To celebrate, JSS will be holding a tasting event in New York on the 3rd of November with shochu distilleries from Japan, and will be inviting members of the Japanese Restaurant Association, other restaurateurs, distributors, bar staff, influencers, and others. JSS will also be sponsoring a cocktail week and an authentic Shochu and Awamori month with Japanese restaurants in New York. Bolstered by this success, JSS is also looking to work with the California legislature to enact a similar change in the Golden State. Now, back to the show. We have, like, we, we have gotten a few questions in advance. We've gotten a few in the chat here. I'll, I'm going to start with a couple that we got in advance. There's one very important question that we got that needs to be addressed immediately. This is from uh, Maya, and this is for Chris. How many vests do you have? What is your favorite? Please elaborate. Thanks for your question, Maya. Um, I know she's, she's probably working right now, so she's not going to see this live. But um, uh, I don't know how many vests I have, honestly, full disclosure. Um, I think it's about a dozen or so. I have a rotation of about five that get used pretty frequently. Um, I have a couple that are kind of so off the charts that I often put them on and then reconsider and then leave the house with something else on. One of them being my violently red vest that is built in the same way that I believe vests for combat are built. Good. And um, I'm going to have Good. to wear it on one of these shows soon that, now that I've said that. Good. Um, so I'm going to say even dozen, and I wear about four or five of them regularly. Thank you for your um, important question. Good. So is this your celebration vest? This is, this is a special occasion, right? This is a special <laughs> occasion. I have to, well, I have to say, this is one of my longer torsoed vests, believe it or not. Um, and this is one of my big problems. How do you make the regular rotation is you have to, I'm sure you have this oh. problem. So <laughs> every day of the, them, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I would love it if somebody knows of a vest maker. I know I need to have them not, I need to not get them off the peg. I need to have them made for me. I don't do that yet. I don't make that kind of money. Um, but I buy more shochu. I can, I can <laughs> yeah. Buy more shochu. Get Chris some new vests. I, I can <laughs> that I'm buying my vests from, or, or waistcoats as we call them in the UK. Waistcoats. Um, from in the UK that will send to Japan. Um, they don't have a great selection, but they're all really, really long. I'm actually starting to get into your game a little bit now that I can actually find like these long waistcoats. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't touch a waistcoat before because I'd end up with it finishing around, you know, here. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yep. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's a bigger Nayami for you than it is for me. But anyways, thank you, Maya. <laughs> Great question. Cool, cool, cool. Next, next one from Endiko. Maybe we'll go down the line. Quick, like, one, one two-word answers. Boom, boom, boom. What is the trend for the next few years, and what producers are looking to expand overseas? If you were going to super summarize that. Jeez. I, th I think I'm going to say, I'm going to jump in here and say all of them. With regards to who's going to expand overseas? Yeah, I think all of them. I think every single brewery in Japan is now looking 
overseas. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, the government has set this massive target um, by to achieve by 2025. Sake mm. is a big part of that. Mm. Um, to export more Japanese produce overseas, and sake mm. is a big part of that. And yeah, I just don't think, I don't think there is a brewery in Japan that doesn't have overseas um, Aspir aspirations. Ambitions, yeah. yeah. Got it. Sebastian. Oh, organic. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. One of the trends. For sure, for sure. Um, assemblage or blending. Blending, yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the trends. Uh, you can see new products. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's two of them. Cool, that yeah. works. Yeah. That works, that works. So to an Aomori world, we're talking a lot of vintage product, mm. I think, um, which is, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, that was one of the original vintage products. You'll see a lot more of that. Also a lot more ex experimentation with um, various yeasts and more difficult to work with uh, ingredients that are gonna expand the flavor profile. Cool. What do you think? What are you sitting on? Anything? I've kind of didn't listen, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was working. Fair enough. You know, really Fair enjoying enough. your double there. Okay. I actually must say, I love this because yeah, we they're have. All fantastic. Because we have two, right? And yeah. we have the first one, which is very smooth. But this one, the Lagoon one, it's really chunky and chewy, mm. and I kind of feel like I'm having a meal and I'm really enjoying it. So <laughs> and I haven't yeah. had dinner. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had dinner. So I'm kind of in my zone. But cool. um, yeah, if you want to ask me, I can answer. <laughs> Just tell me the question <laughs> first. <laughs> good, good, good. We're, on, we're, on, we're, we're dialed in. Mm. We're so dialed Justin, in. What, are, what are your two, your two, yeah. two words? And, uh, so uh, with the export, who is thinking export? I would say everyone is thinking about it. Um, I wouldn't say everyone is going for it. There's a small handful that are still focused domestically. I think what's more interesting um, than um, what producers are, because the question was what producers are looking to expand overseas, what's more interesting is how are they looking to expand? Because mm -hmm. um, it's maybe not necessarily just through yeah, maybe yeah. co I mean cooperation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's, that's, that's kind of the more interesting conversation actually. Yeah. There's sure. been some kind of interesting developments there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for example, we were just looking at was that um, Heiwa Shuzo, makers of Kid, they're supporting a brewery in Vietnam right now mm -hmm. with technical support and advice mm -hmm. and things like that. It's not their brewery, mm -hmm. but that's in, the in, in a certain way that's they're going to learn a lot from that, and yeah. they are pretty ambitious in yeah. their in their movements and so whatever they glean from that experience will be interesting to see what they do i yeah. can guarantee you that's going to feed into something they're doing internationally at some point so like you know they've just been yeah so we'll see and we'll richard see, we'll see. on the chat was just kind of saying expert by can keg or frozen and then there is the yeah. development of the super frozen right from namo <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, right yeah. but but you know realistically i mean the biggest problem with that is that you need to have um you need to have importers that are able to actually just you know actually store that product properly because it needs to be hmm. as soon as you receive the product it needs to be frozen the entire time yeah. right <laughs> as soon as you actually defrost that yeah you can't refreeze it yeah, yeah, yeah right that's the biggest kind of um, problem with that product but it is very interesting they should, they should team up with pfizer yeah they can send it with their yeah right <laughs> <laughs> There it share, is. Share containers. We will, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that one, Kujisa. We, we all hope that Pfizer's business will decline a bit, right? They're going to need a container market. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> share a container. But um, to answer the question, I think can. Um, and I, I don't know if everyone's seen, but there's a big project going on at the moment 
um, done by the fantastic, is it Sawada? Mm. Kenji is his first name? Sawada, we'll call him Sawada-san. Uh, he's doing this massive project, basically getting all these breweries together and making special canned yeah. Um, yeah, sake. Yeah. And um, the brewery that I work for as well has also released a lot of different canned products. The fact mm. is that people realize that the, the most environmentally friendly container mm. really is probably yeah. the, alu the aluminum can at the yeah. end of the day, right? Things haven't really mm. changed since the, the 80s and the 90s. Mm. Um, glass is going out, I think. Glass is on the way out, you know, um, because it's a lot of energy, a lot of carbon dioxide yeah. into the air. See, unless people recycle them. If people recycle them, that's a different story. Um, but people are less likely to recycle glass mm. than they are to recycle aluminum mm. cans, right? It's a dream to, to bring your job to the brewery and exactly. uh, and, yeah. and fill it and bring yeah. it home. Yeah. Or having the service to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting mm -hmm. idea for a service. Mm -hmm. Growler it up. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's a couple places here in Japan doing something. They've been mm -hmm. trying to bring back the, uh, what they call it, the kayoi tokuri. Kai like that old kai. concept where you'd actually yes. bring your own tokuri. We have one sitting around here. I imagine yeah. there's one sitting around here somewhere. Yeah. Right? That you would usually serve sake from, whereas it's larger. You bring your own, you used to bring it to the brewery or whatever, they'd fill you up and you take it on. It's essentially the original growler. That's right. Right? Um, but there, yeah. now you, you're, that you have, you know, cold chain distribution and stuff like that and all that, now there's different breweries domestically that have set up things where they basically do, do refills and, and yeah, yeah. Put, put special releases and you send the bottle back and have really cool bottles and yeah, there's stuff like that going on. And there is that special keg as well. I forget the name of it. But I think there are actually a few different brands, a few different companies doing it. But like this special keg that basically um, stops oxygen, you know, from getting in, keeps the mm. sake really fresh, um, and you can just send that overseas. Yeah. You know? So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. What else we got? I I, I like this question actually. From Mac. Yeah, Mac. Campai Planet, Mr. Campai Mr. Campai Planet. Yeah. Again, for little Chris, I like this question. How would you describe the taste of awamori? Delicious. <laughs> right? right? Um, <laughs> no, but, it's, but it, I, I, saw, I saw this question. I was like, yeah. Good question. Good question. Good question. <laughs> very, very important question. The challenge should be, can you describe awamori without using the word delicious? <laughs> That's right. In more than one word. Yeah. In more than one word. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Just like anything else, I think it's helpful to think about, because everything depends on everything. And there are so many different types of awamori. I don't know, Francois, which camera should I be looking at? Thank you. <laughs> um, so there are so many different types of awamori. There's largely unaged awamori. There's clay pot aged awamori, known as kusu, which been, has been aged for more than a few years. There's all these new yeast strains. Yes, everything's made from largely from long-grained rice, but there's so much variety. So you go to big families of, you know, in the aroma world, you go to big families. So we can go to fruit, we can go to flowers, we can go to grain. We can go to, um, you know, sulfuric, uh, the sulfuric class. There's all these different baskets or families of aromas. And I like to land on, for a lot of stuff, fruit and flower. There's so much of the, um, there's, a, there's a lot of, a lot of melon, the flower, like uh, like olive flower or blossoms, um, olive, olive. Uh, sometimes there's awamori that tastes a little bit like it's been aged alongside olive juice or something from an olive jar. There's uh, great salinity in some of these drinks. There's really impressive minerality. There's 
uh, and everything in between. Um, there are now, uh, there's, you know, Chuko Shuzo does stuff with a, a yeast isolated from a mango tree, and that has a crazy effect on the awamori. So it's really hard to say, but I, I stick to a lot of the same words that you would learn in Chris's class, at big Chris's class, in terms of starting with the group of aged, the group of fruit, the group of flowers, the group of uh, grains or nuts, and you've, you're working with a lot of the spectrum there. So uh, that's how I would start anyway. But I'm gonna go back to my original answer, really. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. For me, there's, there's a lot of vanilla in there, isn't there? Like, did you mention that? Yes, yeah, I, I mean, like especially with aged the awamori, aged there's, yeah. there's a lot of vanilla in that, that expresses itself after a number of years, depending on, depending on how it's yeah. aged. But. Yeah. And it tastes Okinawa, doesn't it? And it is Okinawa in a glass. Yeah. yeah. We are kind of running, at a, at a, running low on time here, though. We should probably um, check out in the, in, the, in the next couple minutes yep. here. Um, what about this being our last question? This is a good question. From, yeah. From Which one? Yeah, you want to yeah. take that one, what, what Sebastian? Is the question? So the, qu the question is, how is French rice wine production different from uh, Nihonshu? Yeah. Um, there are... Well, actually, there are two projects that I can, well, no, not two projects, two mm. breweries that I can comment on. Mm. One is Wakaze, the other one mm. is Les Larmes du Levant. Mm. And the contrast is quite interesting because mm. Les Larmes du Levant, which is owned by a French person, is actually using Japanese rice and yeast mm. and, would no, and, and kojikin mm. and would not have been possible mm. without the cooperation of a Japanese brewery. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, I, I would send our listeners to, um, to our archives because we, we have uh, an interview of uh, Grégoire Boeuf uh, in, um, in our Sake on Air archives. Um, we didn't discuss production method very precisely, but I, I'd like to say that it's not that different from Nihonshu. And the, the yeast and the water are, are French, though. Um, I was thinking uh, Kojikin is Japanese, but I think the yeah. yeast is French. Now, Wakaze is a, is a very different story because it's, the business is owned by a Japanese person. The toji is Japanese. Um, but most of the ingredients are French, or actually all of the ingredients, all the ingredients are French. Um, so uh, that is probably uh, more different from, um, from, from Nihonshu yeah. than, um, than Les Larmes du Levant. Yeah. Um, plus, uh, of course, Wakaze is, um, sake that is often infused uh, with um, fruits or, or herbs. So in that sense, uh, it kind of, it's kind of a different category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally different, different worlds going on over there. So. Yeah. Right? And we have an interview with Wakaze, don't we? Going back in the, I think we interviewed them, the Aoyama. Oh, oh my goodness. See? Oh my goodness. What I want to say is uh, Wakaze, like Lagoon Brewery, yeah. and five other members are, are uh, members of this new association, Craft um, yeah. Sake Association, yeah. um, which aim are ex at expanding Craft um, mm. Sake as a concept and expanding the range of uh, flavors, tastes, textures that mm. you can experience in sake yeah, as well, yeah. which is yeah. an interesting effort, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do a, a whole episode. What is, it's an what interesting is development. Like, yeah. it's, well, I mean, and it's one thing that, uh, again, like sort of moving ahead, you know, I mentioned that 
one thing we want to do is kind of double down on our on our access to a lot of local stories and things mm -hmm. here that maybe other individuals individuals aren't in a position to maybe um, access that information or, or get those voices on air. But then on the other side of the spectrum is we, I also feel like we have a responsibility to re represent the industry, you know, um, and the depth and breadth of the industry. Um, and so in in doing so in order to give people a real proper perspective of the context with, in which all these things are happening. And so, yeah. you know, things like that, I think, I think it's definitely worthwhile to, to dig into. Um, we are out of time, but I'll just keep doing these questions because... Why not? Yeah, yeah. We can. Well, there was you know, also a question that came in online. Sorry. Okay, yeah, shoot, This shoot, is going to go shoot. over, by the way. That's okay, if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> it's about, like, tohokusake. Tokusake, okay. And kind of your favorite places or your favorite breweries within oh. Tohoku. I know it's it's within big, Tohoku. but I think okay. you might. Oh, it's easy for me. Oh no, hang on. Does that count as Tohoku? I what? don't know. No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> oh, hang on. I have to rethink. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful to make sure the brewery I'm working for you know, is, yeah? is in there as no, well. Don't, don't, the brewery you're working for is absolutely I'm, in Tohoku. I'm working in. <laughs> They're definitely in Tohoku. I'm working for a brewery in Yamagata. <laughs> And I, I was fortunate enough to work That's for... That's as Tohoku as it gets. That's as Tohoku as it gets. <laughs> okay. And I'm fortunate enough to work for a brewery before that in Yamagata, Tatano Kawashuzo. Um, and I have been to Yamagata. Well, I haven't actually seen a lot of it, I have to be honest. I've yeah. seen like the Shonai area now, yeah. and I've seen Yonizawa. Yonizawa is fantastic. I mean, you ever get... We'll have to do a travel yeah. episode about Yonizawa. Yonizawa is absolutely amazing. And I, I, had to, yeah. I was very fortunate to actually be able to visit there in the winter. And that was my first experience of a snowy... Yeah. Of a snowy Japan. Yeah. yeah. And cool. you have Ginza really onsen, and you have Sao. And yes. Sao has the Yamagata, yes. like Japanese sake museum, they which do. is yeah. really awesome, and they're super it's nice. Close, isn't it? I'll have to visit Sao. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really mm -hmm. great, yeah. and they speak English, so if you want to yeah. go, this is yeah. the place to go to. Yeah. So, <laughs> my answer is Yamagata, I think. Yeah. yeah. Any, any, any other? I mean, it's, it's really hard. There is yeah. such diversity. Is there anything that's got you excited at it's the just, moment? It's just spontaneous. <laughs> Whatever yeah, pops up. Recently, <laughs> you can change your answer next week. It's no, fine. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about what about Dobroku from Tonomi from Tonomi? <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that was the scene for the day. So yeah, not to uh, not just a <laughs> small preview, but there may or may not be uh, an interview with. Uh, Sasaki-san in, okay. in the relatively near future. So yeah. we'll I'll come nice in. or maybe I'll, not nice. I'll join. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, because not only the, the Doboroku is, is, is beautiful, but yeah. the story yeah. is just fantastic about how to revive an old um, rice varietal, which is very much related with the development of uh, rice cultivation in Tohoku. Um, and how to not only create a double local product, but just insert it in, into a, a global, um, into a wider um, offer, which is yeah. just uh, welcoming people and offering them great food yeah. and, um, and, and, and sake with it. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I, I actually just recently wrote like a, I don't know, like 3,000 word piece on tono 
the okay. Oroku, so it's all on, on sake times, which, yeah, which sake times, sadly, I don't, I don't think they're publishing new stuff anymore, actually. No. We'll have to. Oh, not in English. Yeah, which, which, is really, which is really too bad, because um, they're yeah. a really, really great source for information, yeah. but um, I think, yeah, it was maybe one of the last things that went up on there before. And, and so, and Tono is in Iwate. Is in, is in Iwate, yeah. yeah. Which is which is funny because Iwate, right? Nambu Nambu yeah. Toji, yeah. like that's full on Iwate, but the there's actually the, the number of but yeah. the number of breweries is very very small. It is very small. Yeah, yeah. that's some other regions in and, and they do Amazaki as well, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Genmai or Hakumai, so yeah. Um, yeah. white rice or and brown rice and beer, right? The, the and big beer. beer region. I saw and the beer. wonderful work you did on the Tono beer. Website, we call it the home yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm not so into craft beer, but that even had me kind of, you know, interested no, to learn beautiful. more. That was really, really good. No, Iwate, sake, sake cured, great, just beautiful in general. Mm. So, so <laughs> next, little quiz. No, you took mine. What's <laughs> <laughs> your second? Well, second. If, you, if you don't want to introduce this, there's one more question, and I think you uh, might like this. Okay, okay. It could apply to Shuchu or Avamori. Okay, well. okay. Yeah, about shoot, collaborations between different breweries and I actually don't know if there's collaboration between mm. distilleries so anyone who wants to take that that's a good question there there have been a few recently um, Jukuya and Sagara have been collaborating Komaki and Komasa have been collaborating little just on single one mm. kind of one-off projects or maybe they'll continue I really don't have that information but there's a there is some collaboration I think the collaboration that happens in the in what the do they look like, though? I mean, when they collaborate, what what's the product looking like? Well, for instance, what uh, well, and you have that in the Awamori yeah. world. Sure, the, the this show. This, this is kind of an example of a collaboration, I guess. Yeah, where everybody, a, bu a bunch of distilleries, put out their own version of of show that um, is doesn't doesn't hew to the normal Awamori expectations that I described before. Um, the Komaki Komasa collaboration from a couple of years ago, for instance, involved. Komaki shipping a bunch of their distillate to Komasa, then blending it there in whatever way they felt was best, and then Komasa doing the opposite. And they both put out a a bottle in con like, you know, they both did did one at the same time, mm -hmm. and it was it, they were both good, and they didn't tell anybody what was in it or what the ratios were, but you could kind of figure it out, yeah, um, by smelling it and. Every time I met one of those two Toji, I was trying to get him inebriated enough so that he would spill the beans. They never did, but I think I got pretty close with my guesses. <laughs> um, and uh, so there is some collaboration. More of, most of the collaboration in the shochu world and the awamori world happens behind the scenes where there are groups of distilleries that are friendly and they support each other, they share information. I don't know how much in terms of resources they, they share, but there is a collaboration of sorts, and hopefully that it expands quite a bit in the future because they're going to need it for the um, internationalization of the industry. I think. Yeah. Is it a new thing, or historically, was it kind of you know uh, common for, for distilleries to collaborate with each other? In the modern era, I I can only speak to about the last thirty years is what I have decent like firsthand knowledge of. And I would say that it's a relatively recent thing for these, for these types of projects to be happening. Uh, there was a very um, provincial nature to a lot of the thinking. I think that still exists to a certain extent to this day. I know it exists in other industries in, around the world, especially in Japan. So I think it is relatively recent. Um, 
And it's, it's good though. I think it's positive, it should be encouraged and hopefully uh, we see a lot more of it. Any other collaborations? Great. So, or collaborations. But someone is mentioning chapter seven or date seven. I don't know. Yeah. I don't speak English properly. So, it, so it is. It is no, but it, it is not the exact date. It is the Miyagi yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It, so it's happening again. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're restarting yeah. this year. Good. Um, but I don't know much more than that. Yeah. 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 I thought. Yeah. It was. Yeah. The last one was supposed to be the last one. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. It is coming. Oh, that's cool. It's like James Bond. I mean, you always have a new. Yeah. Right. <laughs> new, new. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, I guess the yeah, Atok was Date 7, it's, it's yeah. Next 5 in Akita, it's, um, yeah. there's a number of those. Yeah, I don't know, I guess, yeah, the question was about Tohoku, and I mean, Tohoku is, especially in, around to Tokyo, like, Tohoku has just kind of got a pretty solid presence. Yes. I'm actually, Tohoku makes amazing sake, mm -hmm. there's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but I'd like to think that it's the era of Western Japan sake is, is going to be on, is going to be on the rise again. Actually, mm. it's not a matter of right or wrong or better or worse. But we've always, we always talk about a lot of the sake from Western Japan, like historically, yeah. Toshimi or Nada or you know the Hyogo and like all those all those areas or Nara or those places. Yeah. We talk about them in a historical context, and whereas sake from a lot of the last like 20, 30 years, we look at the Hokuriku or Tohoku yes. and toward northern Japan and a lot of it I think has to do with the influence in Tokyo um, in the style of sake that they were making but I I'd like to think that we're gonna see a, a pendulum swing to mm. to western Japan uh, again because I think there's some there's a lot of really special things in, in that uh, on that side of the island as well too interesting so. I just like to fly the flag for Aomori Prefecture. <laughs> it doesn't get m very much attention, but it's a fantastic prefecture. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to go to Aomori, go for the, the morning market, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> and Hachinohe. I'm with you. And Hachinohe. I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Um, th they're just amazing breweries all over Aomori. And uh, I never really, you know, dived that deep into Aomori Prefecture, yeah. and I hope to do so a little bit more in yeah. the future as well. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. I said, yeah, I guess, yeah. Cool. How are we doing on time? It's probably well, about that time. I have another really good question that I'd questions. like to. Only if, it, only if it's a really good question. Yeah, it's really, really good. Okay. We do actually have, have good one. questions. We might, yeah. we, might have to, we might have to say. Okay, real, okay, real yeah, quick. We I think we should. We've got this is good. Three, three questions, 10 minutes. Okay, this is the Deal? Last Deal? <laughs> Deal? <laughs> Fair? No more questions. Matthew Madison is looking at his watch. Okay. Breweries. Listen up. Breweries making beer or gin? Yes. All of them. It feels that way. I think, yeah. did it start with, did it start with Number Vision? No. Or no. But they're certainly, I think they're one of the, because it's, it's such a unique uh, product. But yeah, I think generally breweries have had to find, way. the point here is that due to the pandemic, breweries have had to find ways to use up the surplus of rice. Mm. There has been a surplus mm. of rice because you can't not buy rice that you've promised to buy mm. from farmers. Mm. Um, and if you can't make the sake because the restaurants are not buying your sake, you have to find ways to use up this, this rice. Mm. And I think thanks to various developments um, around the world, probably the gin boom in the UK, I would have thought mm. was a big, big mm. influence. Um, a lot of breweries have found that actually gin is a natural segue, mm. you know, uh, mm. from sake that allows you to quite easily use up that surplus of rice. 
it's quite a flexible category, so to speak. Of course, you have to get a different mm. license mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't honestly know how many breweries are doing it, but it seems to be on the rise for sure. Yeah, and whiskey as well, for that matter. Actually. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, yeah. Short answer. Beer, listen to our beer episode. Beer and sake breweries have had a pretty close alignment for quite a long time. A lot of the most famous craft sake, or sorry, craft beer breweries in Japan were born from sake breweries. Um, so I would say go back and listen to that because um, Rai had lots of amazing insight uh, yeah. into that one. That was really, really great. Um, gin and whiskey has a, a probably a bit to do with the you know, using up raw materials and things like that. Also, spirits are selling, and sake yeah. is, not that it's not, but it's spirits are selling. Mm-hmm. And the sake industry, actually, if you look back, for a lot of history, the sake industry, or those running sake breweries, were also running a lot of other operations. Like, the idea of having a sake brewery actually only doing sake is actually kind of a recent development. <laughs> more yeah. than anything and yeah. so the idea of getting into sort of peripheral business is actually a pretty natural kind yes. of trajectory or historically yeah, pretty common and so might, might yeah. it just be better to say that the popularity of gin and whiskey in japan is the reason why breweries are actually you know, well and internationally yeah, yeah. Internationally. A, lot, a lot of them are, a lot of them are making such specifically for export yeah. yeah you you might have more uh, insight on this than we than we do but Everybody's making gin. Everybody's yeah. making gin and and whiskey now too. The only thing is people have to wait on. They have to sit on their whiskey for that's a little bit. So you, a lot that's of why you make gin first, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it hasn't it hasn't come to market yet, but a lot of them are, are doing both. So I've seen some places starting to do a vodka or do a different yeah. things. Like yeah. it's, yes, for sure. Thank you. We're looking number six. Yeah. Okay. So number six, I'll read out the question. So in in the intro to Air, there is a snippet of Justin talking about how he got into sake, and he mentions soy sauce. I was wondering what the story is there, and if you can elaborate. And this question comes from the Sake Geek. The Sake Geek. Thank you, the Sake Geek. Um, so I, I can't remember. I feel like I talked about this. I feel like you interviewed me about this on the episodes when we went back right. and we did interviews with each of us sort of That's about right. our background. So if you go back into that, you'll probably get a much more in-depth answer. Um, the short answer is that before working in sake, I worked um, with a lot of producers of a lot of products around Japan or surrounding food, a lot of agricultural products and a lot of brewed project products, including miso and soy sauce and things like that. And the very in-depth and very personal relationships that I was able to build through that um, introduced me to a wild, a wider world of fermentation and a disposition, I guess, or a means of sort of just engaging with your life in your craft um, that very much um, communicated to me why it is I'm on this island. Um, and then when I started getting into the, digging into that in more detail, um, first it was actually a lot of soy sauce makers and it was miso makers and places like that. And then I started getting into koji. And then through that I started exploring further and as I tried to get closer and closer to the, the most, I guess, I don't know, core element of sort of what that is and not just the actual growing of product, but then the actual fermentation and um, all the things that go along with that and just sort of the, the craft and the disposition and then sort of how that ties into the life of the brewer and the craftsman and the relationship to the agriculture and all those things. 
it resonated with me in a way that was significant. And I mean, so you mentioned something here then, which was it's, it was good for your body. Yeah, there, and there's that. There's that too. That you, I mean, you yeah. you you had some yeah. difficulties digesting yeah, 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 things, yeah. and just Japanese uh, fermentation culture was yeah. good for your body. Absolutely, it made you feel good, absolutely. I think is, is the way that you put it. Put there, it. Yeah, yeah, there's that, and th then there's I guess another thing that I had never experienced, and there's we talk about flavor and taste a lot in the context of taste. This is sweet, or this is sour, right. or this is tangy, or this is whatever. And based on those parameters, we determine whether or not something is tasty, or kind of foul, or unpleasant, or exceptional. Um, it was the first time that I experienced a degree of I don't even know how to explain it really very well in English, but it's like a a degree of flavor experience that goes beyond the palate. I don't know how to explain it, that but it's sense. like the, the body, your body responds to it on a level that is almost more, and not even in terms of health, but it's like you actually taste something and you, you respond like physiologically in a way that like brings, I don't know, comfort brings I, yeah, I, 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 lack, I lack the vocabulary to explain it properly, um, but I had never experienced that in my life. Um, and I experience it with great frequency in my life here, um, which is why I am still here. That's, that's the short story of it that I didn't explain all that well. Um, but I hope, that, I hope that works for you, the sake geek. Last question. Like I said, we got a lot of shoju questions. How come there are so many lychee aroma shochu recently, <laughs> and how are they made? Um, that's, that is a very good question. There are a lot of them these days. They are made using various sweet potato varietals that may not be considered standard. They're used, uh, they also employ the hard work of um, non-standard yeast strains, I guess is one way to put it, and different fermentation temperatures, a lot of different procedural tweaks, the goal being reach new audiences, play to the highball game, and make it possible for younger people to go, oh, this is new. And that, that often is a, a key to getting it into the magazines and getting it on people's radars. So I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. And expect to see a whole lot more of it because everybody's playing around with it right now. It's great. I mean, that's, it's kind of something that the sake industry has gone through too, right? It's like, let's yeah. use flour yeast, let's use these yeasts, let's do these, like something that just offers a very blatant, this is something different, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just kind of universally pleasant, yeah. you know? And there's the, probably the most famous one right now is um, Kokubu does a limited release. Kokubu Shuzo does a limited release every year. And, and they have one that tastes of banana cream. This is a sweet potato shochu. It's yeah. bananacream.com. Then they've got one that's minty. It's, where does that come from? And then the last one is lychee. And it's just, um, it's, it's bonkers. It's just really, really impressive. Yeah. Uh, really hard to get your hands on. But they're going to have a lot of imitators. So it'll be, yeah. it's coming soon. Yeah. Does, I'm, I'm wondering if this, we actually got another, I'm wondering if this ties in. Another question from Maya, she has, what's your guest on the, ne on the next thing after fruit-flavored new wave shochu? I'm guessing you're referring to fruit-flavored new wave shochu. That's what I'm, right? that's, that's what I'm right? referring to. Right? 
what happens when the fruit dries up? Dry fruit flavored dry shochu. Dry fruit flavored aged. shochu is a thing. Aged. Um, <laughs> Raisin yeah, fig. <laughs> I mean, I, they're so everybody's looking for a way to distinguish themselves like they're doing in every other industry. Um, I, but I mean, the only thing I, I can't get my head around right now, there's nothing new coming from the emo world right now because there's a blight and there was a blight last mm -hmm. year. There's a blight this year. Nakamura Shuzojo, for instance, a good friend of mine, Shinya declared a month or two ago that he's not selling any shoju this year. He's just, wow. just won't be able to make enough. So um, I can't even get my head past that at the moment to think about what's after the fruity stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll cross that road when we come uh, yeah, to it, I guess. Basically, right? that, bri yeah, yeah, that bridge, bridge is over the bend, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. We're over time. We can do that because... Because we're not paying rent on YouTube. Not paying rent. <laughs> <laughs> Simple Ilana answer. did not laugh at that joke. Okay, so we, we, we need to wrap this one up. Right? It's about that time. All right. So we're, we're going to check out. Um, thank you so much to all of our listeners, viewers today um, for your patience as we took this little bit of time off. As I mentioned, there will be kind of a short uh, travel series uh, coming up over the next uh, month, month and a half or so. Um, so please do look forward to that. And then you will start to probably see some slightly new, slightly different formats and things coming out there. Um, keep sending us your questions, your thoughts, your feelings. Let us know what you want for us to do and focus on, and we will try to deliver. One last comment. Party. Last comment. Yeah. Party. Party. All right. Come by. Hey, come by. And that will do it for this week's episode of Sake on Air. If you have a moment, please do pop on over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening service and leave us a kind review. And go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook over at, at @sakeonair. You can go ahead and send any questions that you might have to questions at sakeonair.com. We'll be back with plenty more Sake on Air very shortly. Until then, come by. Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center located in the heart of Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Potsuke Productions with audio production by Mr. Frank Walter.